Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. And are you baking this week? Yes, yes, I am. (laughs) So, um, you know, I decided that while we're doing this little series of doctors and medical things, medical mysteries and whatever, that's, I, I don't know if we addressed that last time, but this is now a series. Yeah. Um, I decided, you know, I'm going to stick with a pie series then because with Dr. Cream, you know, I did two cream pies. Yes. Now I'm going to be doing a different kind of pie because we're talking about Christopher Dunch. Yes. (laughs) Before we get into what I'm baking, (laughs) we have to address the fact that I called him Christopher Bunch a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) last episode yeah um Emily I think you you said that you cut out a couple or maybe more than a couple (laughs) but yeah I'm like oh what's his name oh it's Christopher Bunch yeah that's right it's one letter off you know yeah and no it's Christopher Dunch and I I literally realized it as soon as the episode was over I texted Emily I was like oh my gosh I've been calling him Christopher Bunch it's Dunch So anyway, it's okay. That's our funny little thing. So anyway, this co- week we're covering Christopher Dunch and a lot of it went down. I mean, it went down in several different states, um, yeah. but that from what I remember, but I know that a lot of it went down in Texas, correct? correct. Yeah. Okay. So um, whenever I think of pie and Texas, I always think of pecan pie. Mm-hmm. Um. I almost moved to Texas once upon a time and I almost moved to a pecan plantation. Oh my God. Yeah. And so we'd go and we'd, we'd harvest. Yeah. We'd harvest all these pecans. I mean, they drop tons of pecans. So so you'd go and you'd collect all the nuts up and then you'd crack them all and you'd make a pecan pie and it was delicious. Um, It's a lot of work, but in my opinion, it's rewarding. Yeah. So anyway, pecan pie so you need your pecans I I don't expect you guys to go and harvest them you guys can pick (laughs) them or um pick them up at the store (laughs) let's see so this specific one a recipe that I'm looking at is um talking about how it's a Thanksgiving dish which I'm pretty sure that's true but I I would eat it year-round I mean who cares I ate a pumpkin pie like last week so. Oh, yeah, see, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really, it's just, I mean, pecan pie is really sticky. You need things to hold the pecans together. So there's just like molasses and brown sugar and, um, Yum. yeah, and, and corn syrup, you know, just to hold it all together. And then there's other ingredients as well. But, yeah, we'll share the recipe with you. I'm really excited. I love pecan pie. Same. Oh, this is good because I love pie. <laughs> I, know. I know. And I'm, I'm big, big into pies. I'm actually not. I'm more into fruit pies. So I'm liking that I'm um, venturing out and cooking different, ki- baking different kinds. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done a blueberry pie on here before? You or know. Oh. You love blueberries. Yeah. Um, I, I think I did. I think one of the earlier episodes I did a blueberry pie. 
I remember mm-hmm. baking one. I was like, Something you know, like- I've baked a blueberry pie. Yeah, I know but, you have. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Blueberry and strawberry rhubarb are my two specialties. Yeah. Yep. Mm. A Casey specialty. Mm. Yes. Out <laughs> <Kind> of <laughs> mouth is watering. <laughs> All right. Anyway, anyway, let's get into Christopher Dunch. Okay. So like we said um, in last episode, we encourage you guys to either listen to the podcast by Wondry or um, the TV show that was inspired by the podcast. And I pulled a lot of this from the TV show, but they also dramatized it and changed people's names. So I did go back and like double check that we're talking about what actually happened and not like stuff made up in the show. And I'm pretty sure he found everyone's real names and changed them. There might be one in there that I accidentally is one of the character names, but just so you know, this happened. It happened. So. Yes, this is all true. Um, So when we talk about, so what, what did you watch this on? What streaming service? Oh, it it was on Peacock. Peacock. Peacock original. Yes. They have it watch it <laughs> yes they chose a really good actor i don't know that do you know the actor's name i do not dunch no um, i forget his look name it up really quick okay joshua jackson oh, okay jj yeah so joshua jackson i haven't seen him in anything before i don't think i have either he really to me fit that role really well like i don't know i just i pictured that's exactly kind of the type of character I pictured for him yeah like he looks really put Same. together and as the series went on didn't they like the actor like I mean obviously it's probably like a suit but didn't he gain weight like yeah as the like they obviously on? had like prosthetics and like a, a fat suit on him or something because yeah he did it was gain really interesting weight. though yeah yeah that was that was um I really liked how how they did that because the thing is you listen to so the the tv show is based off the podcast and i i've listened to both or i watched and listened to both and it's so cool because it does follow exactly along and it really does just visualize exactly what the podcast described yeah it does so let's hear hear about this really really messed up character yeah so oh gosh okay so christopher dunch He started school in 1991 for football, actually, Um, but he did not get a scholarship for football like he thought he would. So he went back to Tennessee because he was at Colorado State and then decided to start medical school. Um, His father was a minister and he had two siblings. Um. So after he started medical school, he went to University of Tennessee Health Science Center, and he got an MD and a PhD in molecular biology, general surgery, and neurosurgery. And he practiced neurosurgery for five years and ended up running two labs that were pretty successful. So he like had his own labs, you know, a lot of cred because he actually graduated and was good. A lot of education behind him. Yeah. And he was good at it in school. And all his teachers said that and all his teachers really liked him. Um, And in 2009, he 
attempted a startup that he called Discgenics to create new stem cells. And he did a lot of research and study on like cancer and trying to like end cancer. And he also, Discgenics was about growing new spinal discs to el- help eliminate surgery. Wow. So, I really don't exactly know what all of that means, but I'm assuming it was well, like, I don't know, groundbreaking yeah. or something. I, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you'd think that someone that did so much work in the lab and also is a neurosurgeon is the perfect person to be the one creating something like this. I mean, right. that really is groundbreaking. Yeah. And his mentor and one of his teachers, whose name is Dr. Scadden, invested in this company and helped him start it. So his teachers like really believed in him and supported him a lot. They thought he was like a genius. Um, But what a lot of people didn't know was he also was doing heavy drugs um, in college and was often spotted at parties like with cocaine. And even a, a few people even accused him of like going out on a bender and getting really, really high, like right before surgeries and stuff, which is not good. You would not want that. That's terrifying. Yeah. And this drug use eventually led his investors of Discgenics to edge him out of the company. And they eventually sued him for basically like neglecting his duties and putting the company at risk. So even though he like started it, he got edged out of the company for his drug use eventually. Good. Yeah. Good. I mean, if they felt like they were doing good work, but he was going to ruin it for them, then yeah, absolutely. Kick him out. Right. Um, unfortunately, that would be one of the only consequences he faced for a really long time after that, as we'll see. So His first job as a practicing physician was at the Minimally Invasive Spine Institute, which is in a Dallas suburb called Plano. Um, It's funny because we have a Plano, Illinois, and I've been there, but yeah, Plano, Texas, (laughs) which is more famous. Um, And he was hired there in summer of 2011. Um, He also received privileges to operate at Baylor Regional Medical Center. So before all of this, I had no idea what privileges for a doctor was. Like, I had never heard of that before. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to try it. Maybe you can explain what privileges are because I still like like you get allowed to do a surgery at a hospital. And I guess you can. It's not like you work for one hospital. You get privileges at multiple hospitals and you. Yeah. That means you can perform a surgery there, right? Right. So it's not like you're on staff there. Um, You kind of seek out your own cases and your own patients. They come to you, but you are able to then use their facilities and their staff to do, to perform the surgeries that, that like you have arranged and scheduled and all that. So yeah, you aren't necessarily, you it's yeah, I guess you don't necessarily like work there, but you have privileges there as far as like because he has his own practice outside yeah. of it, as far as I understand from it all. Right. So that was confusing get- for me when I was first doing this, but then I, I was like, okay, wait, I think that's what it means. Yeah, that's funny. You know, I 
it makes sense in my head but then when I try to explain it I I get how it's confusing because it's like well yeah because you can have privileges at a lot of different hospitals as a doctor right um so yeah like I said I had no idea that was a thing I thought you were just like employed at one hospital and then you stood there you stayed there until you wanted to leave but I guess that's not the case actually no yeah a lot of the doctors like even at my hospital, it's not just surgeons. Um, they travel to all hospitals around in the area yeah. or multiple doctors. Like, for example, OBs, um, the, you know, they all deliver. If it's like a low risk pregnancy, they'll mm-hmm. have they'll deliver at a um, like a, a local community hospital that might not have the NICU or the resources that they would need if the, if the baby or the mother was in danger. Um, but if it's a high risk pregnancy, then they'll send them to another nearby hospital where they also have privileges. So mm-hmm. they can still go there, um, to have you deliver your baby because they have more resources. So when you're like looking for different doctors and you're like, okay, well, do they travel to these different hospitals? Because I want to know like what resources I'll have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it works. <laughs> in a nutshell (laughs) um so um at baylor dunch meets dr randall kirby who becomes influential in trying to take him down later but this is where they first meet um and kirby recalls that one weekend in september 2011 dunch was supposed to be taking care of a page a patient and went to Las Vegas instead. And one of the other doctors was notified that the patient wasn't getting rounded on, like not being checked up on. Mm-hmm. And when they found out, they dismissed Dr. Dunch at that time for, you know, basically abandoning a patient when you're supposed right. to just came out of surgery, you're supposed to be still around. Like it's not like surgery's over. Bye bye you know mm-hmm. um and dr kirby also said that he had many um disturbing conversations with dunch where he would talk about like bragging that he was the best there ever was that every single doctor in dallas was completely incompetent and he was there to fix them fix the town basically he thinks he's like practically god you know in the medical community yeah Okay. Anyone starts yeah. talking like that about anything, red flag. Right. Honestly, the cockier someone is, the more of a bullshitter they are, is yeah. what I've kind of experienced. Exactly. You know, Kirby is becomes like instrumental throughout this whole mm-hmm. I don't know, case, I guess. But he sounds like such a character like the quotes that he says and then the actor that plays him yeah he's really he's really amusing and he's just got like such a sarcastic sense of humor yeah he's really depicted as like this really funny like smart ass kind of guy and I really hope that's what he is in real life (laughs) too right I think he is I think yeah because a lot of these things in real Mm -hmm. life yeah. Yeah. A lot of the direct quotes from him are just kind of funny. Just take, take no crap. Yeah. Yeah. I like he's, it. He's a great guy. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so that incident where he went to Vegas got him dismissed from the Minimally Invasive Spine Institute. And that's when he officially um, started in July 2011 at Baylor. So he was now like he had already been there before, but now like all of his attention was on Baylor since he left the other place. And isn't that nuts? Like, I mean, we're going to see this time and time again, but just addressing it for the first time here, the fact that you can be dismissed from a place for, you know, neglect, literally patient neglect, but Mm -hmm. then just move on to another hospital, like no big deal. And the worst part of it all is like Baylor is an an amazing hospital. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really well known. I, most people have heard of Baylor. Yeah. So the fact that like he's just able to then to go on to this really nice hospital is just stupid. Yeah. And I think the fact that, you know, you use the term neurosurgeon because that's not something that you can attain easily. No. And that's that's kind of the I I would argue well, I don't know any of it, I guess. All of it's difficult to me. Right. But one of the most difficult ones. Right. Uh, specialties come on surgery in general like I can't imagine can't imagine but yeah especially like sensitive part of your body like oh god whatever yeah Uh, so delicate yeah so Kenneth Fennell was Dunch's first surgery at Baylor Plano and He operated on the wrong vertebra on Kenneth, um, but was allowed to continue. So uh, some of the nurses, they kind of suspected it was not correct because you can obviously tell like, okay, we're going to work on this specific vertebra. And then he starts working on a completely different one, but he's not stopped because he's in charge you know yeah he's the surgeon yeah and the thing is I mean can't you tell which which one is damaged I just right I don't necessarily know what a spine looks like I mean yes I do but like (laughs) I would just assume that if there's a bulging disc or whatever it is you'd be able to see that right yeah um and this is one of the first times we'll see this multiple times many many times where before the surgery he lays out his plan exactly of what he is going to do and everything he's saying is correct like we're going to work on this vertebra we're going to use these instruments this is what's going to happen in this method and all of that was correct and then he just didn't do any of it during the surgery so it's like he knows what to do and didn't do it And we'll see that again and and again. See, and that's what tells you that, like, there's something more going on here than just a a doctor that doesn't know what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Um, So at this time, so we'll come back to Kenneth and, like, what happened to him. But at this time, he also has been seeing a young woman named Wendy Young. and she becomes pregnant in around August, 2011. And in the show, they really, um, 
they have like one kid in the show, but in real life, they had two sons together. Oh, okay. Um, and they were together for a really long time. The show kind of doesn't show them together for that long, um, but they were. So that's one of the differences. Um, hmm. Their second child was born in 2014. So uh, they were together for at least a couple of years, you know? Yeah. Um, but also, Dr. Kim Morgan starts working for Dunch and he starts having an affair with Dr. Kim. Um, and that also went on for like a long time. There was an overlap between those two relationships, but that's what's going on in his personal life too. Not great in his professional or personal life because of bad choices. Scumbag. Yeah. He also hires his best friend, Jerry Summers, to be his executive director of marketing. And they knew each other from, I think it was high school or college. They played football together. So they've known each other a long time. Mm -hmm. And now Jerry works for him. Um, And in February of 2012, Dunch does surgery on his best friend, Jerry, um, because Jerry was having neck pain. Um, And during the operation, he was rendered a I'm going to say this wrong because I always trip up. Quadriplegic? Yep. Okay. Yeah, you said it correctly. So, and on the report, the anesthesiologist for the surgery recalled that Jerry lost almost 1,200 milliliters of blood, which is more than a fifth of his blood volume. And almost 24 times the typical amount of blood loss that was supposed to be happening in a spinal fusion. So right. that that's a ton of, that's so bad, clearly, obviously. That's horrible. I mean, procedures like that, you are not supposed to lose like hardly any blood. Yeah. Um, it was... You know, it was supposed to be a pretty straightforward surgery. Like everyone said, it wasn't that complicated of a surgery for a competent doctor, you know. Mm-hmm. And somehow now he's paralyzed, severely paralyzed. Um, and everyone expected Jerry to go through, um, sorry, a revision surgery, but Dunch refused to do it. So his own best friend, who he's, he's just ruined his best friend's life. And now he's refusing to do a revision surgery as well. Okay. Why? I don't know. Because he claims his surgery was perfect. He says, I did absolutely nothing wrong. Um, he claims it was an incorrect dosage of anesthesia, which caused all of these problems. It was the anesthesiologist's fault. So I am not doing anything. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Shifts all the blame to someone else when full well that, I mean, I'm not a medical person at all, but I really don't see how anesthesia could make you a quadriplegic. You know, like, could that really happen? I don't know, but- when you look at just the facts of, like, I, I believe that there are just, anesthesia can actually give you horrible side effects. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you're already dealing with the spine 
I think it's safe to assume that the surgeon probably did something over anesthesia. Right. But the thing is, yeah, you'd think. But then the thing is, um, like for those of you that don't know, I don't know um, if you said this earlier, but quadriplegia is where you are paralyzed basically from the neck down. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, so, I mean, that's just, this guy went from walking, talking to now, I mean, he's still talking, yeah. but that's pretty much all he can do. He can't, he can't move his arms or anything. Yeah. Um, and he just, he just did that to his best friend and then mm-hmm. it shows no remorse because yeah. it's not his, he claims it's not his fault. Yeah. If, then, if that were me, I would be doing everything I possibly can to figure out what happened, even if I truly mm-hmm. did not believe that I did it. Right. Yeah. You'd think you would want to do right by your best friend and be like, oh, my God, how can I fix this? What can I do? What can be done? But no, he even goes so far to say he doesn't want he's not Jerry's doctor anymore. He's like, I did the surgery. He's not my patient anymore. See ya. And does not even That's visit him. wrong. Your best friend, he does not even visit him in the hospital, like as a friend either. I mean, what kind That's of person are so you? So scary. To just shut That's, that off. Yeah. Like someone. That's so scary for his friend. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Um. So Jerry starts telling other doctors and nurses that he and Dunch were uh, did cocaine the night before his surgery. So. That pricked up some ears and his privileges at Baylor got suspended and he had to go see a psychologist and take a drug test. Um, but the psychologist cleared him and he passed the drug test. So he was free to go back to work. Um, Can you believe that? Yeah. Like if that actually happened where he's saying we, we did cocaine last night, like... The guy's name is Jerry, right? Yeah. Like, come on, Jerry. I mean, I like I hate to blame him because he's already he's I mean, he's probably already figured out that that's not a good idea. But you just I mean, mean, even if it's I guess he just had full trust in his friend that like, yeah, I mean, this must be fine because he he does this all the time. He's an amazing surgeon. I'm not going to question him. Mm hmm. Oh, gosh. Jerry, he also later admits that he made that up, but it's not 100% sure. Like, he claims, like, okay, I was really upset that he wasn't seeing me, so I decided to start telling everyone he was doing cocaine, but it wasn't true. So, I don't, I'm not, but he was a drug addict, so, like, I'm not sure if it was true or not, but Mm. Jerry later says it was, he made it up because he was hurt and upset. Mm. Um. Not sure. But anyway, he gets to go back to work after that, after completely screwing somebody's life. No big deal. Just basically a slap on the wrist, you know? That's it. So, and I get, and they do talk about this a lot, like in the show and the podcast, that surgeons make mistakes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Not everything's Mm -hmm. perfect. And but unfortunately, that's what they assumed was the case over and over and over again with him. So, mm-hmm. 
on March or in March 2012, Kelly Martin comes in and she's just having some back pain. And it again was supposed to be a pretty simple surgery to help her like alleviate like some pain. She might have had like you know what? I'm not even going to guess. I'm not sure exactly what the problem was in her back, but that's what she came in for. She just said she had some back pain. Um, <laughs> he drilled into her vertebral artery and she began massively bleeding, like a lot of emerging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were like pools of blood on the floor, which should not happen. Um, her blood pressure plummeted during the procedure, but all the nurses claim he did nothing to try and stabilize her after that, which you should do once your blood pressure gets out of control. Um, and within three hours of the surgery, she was in DIC, which I don't know what that is. It's basically where your blood's so your blood is trying to circulate through your body. So okay. you, it stops clotting at all, and you just start bleeding through all of your orifices, like out of your ears, out of your nose, out of everything. <gasps> just starts bleeding horribly. Oh my god! Oh, but that's way worse than I thought. Okay, it's it's a really it's a very morbid sign. Oh god! So that happened, and she had hives all over her body. So, um, and she ended up dying, unfortunately, from her blood loss. Um, and again, he claims it was the anesthesiologist that gave her fentanyl and that's how she died. But they were, but Baylor said, no, she died of blood loss, which is directly because of you drilling into her vertebral artery. Hello. Like, Um, how can he honestly say, no, it's the fentanyl. Fentanyl would not make you bleed out. No. Like fentanyl. would not cause you to go into DIC. That's that would knock you out and it would slow your respirations and kill you that way. Yeah. Um, her. Okay. Sorry. So Kelly Martin, uh, that was bad enough for Baylor to say, you know what? Our time together needs to end, but he was not fired. They allowed him to resign from Baylor after that. So basically they were like, okay, you cannot perform any more surgeries here. You need to go, but we'll let you quit because we don't want to like ruin your career. Which something that bad happens. And he still, after every single one of his surgeries, he claims he did it absolutely perfectly to the book, to the letter, and that it was someone else's fault, which should really, he has no remorse over these patients. Right. Like, that's the thing. I mean, no matter what, this person that you were caring for died. I don't care if it's the anesthesiologist's fault. I don't care if it's one of the scrub nurses' fault, in your opinion. Like, Mm -hmm. no matter what, they're your patient and you should take some responsibility for it. Right. You shouldn't just write it off and have zero remorse. Yep. Um, So after he leaves Baylor, Dr. Kim Morgan, who he was having the affair with, it's at that point she starts suspecting something is really wrong with him. And she walks out of his practice, quits, and files a restraining order against him because she was she was really good friends with Jerry, too. Like they were all friends and she just couldn't believe the way he treated his friend. And then 
the way he just didn't care about Kelly Martin dying and you know she got out of it so as you should yeah so after Baylor he starts a job at Dallas Medical Center on July 25th 2012 and um He does a procedure on Mary Eford, who comes in for an L5-S1 posterior fusion, which means nothing to me, but that's what it was. (laughs) Um, Back surgery. On her back, yeah. And she woke up from the surgery afterwards feeling intense pain, like worse than before her surgery. And she had very limited mobility, which she also did not have before her surgery. So in every way, nothing is fixed. Things are way worse. Um, And three days later, she is in revision surgery with Dr. Henderson, who um, he finds that her whole midline structure was severed from the underlying spine which means her nerves were not protected at all and bone fragments were piercing her nerves because it was just all like, it was so bad that Dr. Henderson looked like, said her bone looked like putty. Like it was mashed and like just destroyed and she was leaking spinal fluid. Uh, And it keeps going. A nerve root had been amputated, absolutely should not have been. So, of course, that was causing excruciating pain. Several screws were nowhere near where they were supposed to have been put, and another screw was lodged in a nerve root. So, are you kidding me? Yeah. Another screw was in her spinal canal. And another one skewered her nerves that controlled her bladder and her leg. So she lost mobility on the left side. Um, That is a shit ton of stuff that has gone wrong. That Mm -hmm. is a lot. Like she had a bunch of screws that were not doing anything but causing pain. Um, And she ended up in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Even with the revision surgery, Dr. Henderson could move some of the screws and take them out, but he could not fix or replace an amputated, you know, uh, nerve root. Yeah. You don't mess with the nerves. Yeah. So that is truly bad. So Dr. Henderson decides to get involved and he, because when you see someone whose bone looks like putty, like clearly they had like hammered into her bones um he decided i need to see what's up with this guy like who is that this guy and why is he doing what he's doing right so, i mean it would almost it would it almost be against his oath not to do something and 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 try to get to the bottom of things because mm-hmm. in my opinion i would think that this person's severely uneducated or like i, I it's just so bizarre to have screws that would like not even be going into any any sort of bone or anything just yeah random places that's messed up also I was gonna say this before you went into everything that he did wrong because Mm -hmm. obviously this is not this is not the case 
but I know that in general, like even like a lot of doctors will do everything they possibly can to avoid back surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like a last resort, right? Because it's so delicate and it doesn't always alleviate the pain, and sometimes it does leave you less mobile, not paralyzed, right? But like less mobile and in more pain than before. Um, like, and I don't know if the internet would necessarily tell you that. I think that they'd be like, oh, a back surgery alleviates all pain and fixes everything. But that's not necessarily the case because it's just so such a delicate. I mean, your spinal column is so delicate. It's just, right. it's not an easy fix. Yeah. But no, it should not have been botched sure. like that in right. any situation. Absolutely not. Um, so at this point, Henderson meets Dr. Kirby, who, you know, was they were they worked together at Baylor. Um, so Kirby tells Henderson all that he witnessed of Dr. Dunge, um, that he was supposed to perform a very simple surgery. And it ended up going so wrong. And Dr. Kirby goes so far as to tell Dr. Henderson he believes what Dunch was doing was absolutely 100% intentional. He intended to hurt these people, to paralyze them, to kill them. Um, And he says that every single surgery that he does is attempted murder, which is wow. It's a big claim, you know. Yes, that's um, that's a terrifying accusation, and that's not something yeah. that you should say lightly. Right. Um, so at this point, Dr. Henderson and Dr. Kirby start to kind of work together to find out what else Dunch has been doing. Um, and they find out that in the days, the two days before Mary Efred, he had performed two other surgeries. So he performed surgeries three days in a row, one on each of these days. Um, his first surgery was on Rose Keller, which I don't think is her real name. That's the name they had in the show. And I tried to find who this person was in real life, but I didn't really find anything. Um, so we'll just say Rose Keller, but I don't think that was her real name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did, she was 72 years old. And he did surgery on her for a hernia and he ended up hammering into her bones and it took four hours longer than it was supposed to. Um, And she, she did live, but she ended up in like severe pain and her bones were just not in good shape after that. Um. And then on Tuesday, like, I think a herniated disc is when your disc is basically bulging out. Yeah. Um, yes. Something like that. I think so. Yeah. Because at first I was like a hernia. He wouldn't do that. <laughs> but because <laughs> um, hernias also happen like on your in your abdomen and like a general surgeon would take care of that, not a neurosurgeon. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. that you're I think that it must have been like a herniated disc then. Yes. Okay. I'm assuming. Yes, I think so. Okay, Um, continue. So his second surgery was on Floella Brown on Tuesday, which was for a cervical fusion. And with her, there was, again, 
excessive bleeding because he had sliced through her vertebral artery once again. And during the surgery, Dunch was complaining about the amount of blood. He kept saying, I can't see what I'm doing. Um, there's too much blood. I can't even see anything, but he was continuing anyway. Um, and he had nurses. Yeah. He had nurses putting towels on the floor to soak up the blood. Um, and she suffered a massive stroke that left her on life support and she ended up being brain dead. Um, horrible. You know, okay. Here's the thing. Like something you're taught. I mean, I'm sure you even know this from our experience in wilderness first aid. The first thing you're taught is the ABCs airway, breathing, circulation. That's like number one. You, if one of those is compromised, you need to stop everything else and focus on that. Mm -hmm. Her circulation is clearly compromised if she's bleeding that much. And yet you're still going to continue with this fusion. Like, dude, stop that and stop the hemorrhaging. I mean, that's so, so dumb. I'm a nurse. I'm not even an OR nurse. And I know this. Mm This is like, that's a no brainer to me. Yeah. Okay. That gets me mad. Continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so on Saturday of that week, Dr. Henderson and Dr. Kirby look into Dr. Dunch and they call Dr. Scadden, who was his mentor. And Dr. Scadden describes him as a perfectly satisfactory student, that he was hardworking. He was brilliant and he really knew what he was doing. Um, And they were quite shocked to hear this from him. And they said, are you sure you're not like protecting him? Like what, are you sure you don't know anything more than you're telling us? Mm -hmm. But Dr. Scannon completely is like, no, I, he's fine, you know, giving good references. And they also find out at this point that Baylor let Dunch resign instead of firing him after Kelly Martin's death. And they are appalled um, and decide to take matters into their own hands. And they decide to report Dunch to the Texas Medical Board, which is in the medical community, like a big deal to like report a doctor. Um, It's not something that's really done as we can probably tell because no Baylor didn't do it or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. But they know they will need absolute facts to take to the Texas medical board, or he will be continued to allow allowed to continue to operate. Mm -hmm. Um, So this has to be handled like really delicately, very professionally. Um, Basically, the stars need to align or else he'll get off. Like, it won't matter what he's done. Like, there has to be proof of intent to, like, harm. Right. Um, that's so, I mean, I'm sure that's which is so crazy. hard to do because, yeah. because accidents happen all the time. Right. Exactly. Um, so, Dr. Henderson and Kirby start speaking with the nurses that were assisting during these three surgeries at... Um, what was this place called? Dallas Medical Center. And they look at Dunch's notes for the surgeries because the nurses show them. And in his notes, he shows that he knows exactly what he is talking about. The science is all right in his 
procedure notes. The explanation of the procedure is correct. The plan of how to execute the procedure is correct. So based off of that, Henderson and Kirby come to the conclusion that he is doing all of this intentionally because how could you have everything correct and then just not do any of it? Doesn't make sense. Right. And honestly, you know what I'm thinking about? I mean, if he's putting everything correctly in his notes and no one else is putting things in their notes like against him, mm-hmm. all that's all the evidence right there that like would let him go free. That shows that it's like, yeah, he's putting in his notes that like he did everything. That's why like they emphasize nurses charting so much because it's like if something goes down, like we're kind of the eyes, like we know what's what's really happening and if it's not documented then it didn't happen you know so it's like if someone's not documenting that these screws are all over the place or you know um that this artery was severed Mm -hmm. then it just goes unnoticed unless there's like an autopsy later to but that's not going to happen because it's just an act like then it's just um the surgery was unsuccessful or whatever um Mm -hmm. And that's just what it's going to go down like. Um, And that's the thing is like, where's the, like, then there's no proof. Unless like, yes, this person ended up dead, but it could, it it could have been the fentanyl. It could have been the stuff because it wasn't documented. Right. Things are documented correctly. Like, it's not like he's putting in his note, oh, the screws all are, um, are located in these places and it's all the wrong places, you know? Right. Yeah. Unless there's like photo documentation or an autopsy or something, <laughs> people also documenting opposing that. Then like, like as the nurses, it's almost their responsibility to like put in their notes saying, saying things against him, but also that's a big no, no as well. Right. I've had and to that's do something that a couple times. A yeah. <clears throat> I've had to do that a couple times. Um, you know, just like putting like something kind of like, like basically just saying like, oh, I did, the doctor wouldn't return my phone calls or something like that mm-hmm. because it's like, I'm not going down for this. Right. You know, it's horrible, mm-hmm. but you need yeah, to, good. unless it, in case there's an investigation or a lawsuit later on, things need to be documented correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Continue. So one of the nurses, whose name was Kyle, um, tells them that Mary Efrid lost 1,700 cc's of blood in the procedure that should have had a max of 200 cc's of blood, which I don't, I don't know what cc's is. What is it's milliliters. So oh, okay. like, so over a bottle and a half of soda, basically, is what she lost. Okay. Okay. See, good thing you know what you're talking like about. Like a like a two liter <laughs> bottle, you know, like okay. one of those big ones. Yeah. Um, and apparently Kyle also says the nurses during surgery did try to tell Dunch um when the screws were out of place and they would they would just be like not accusing, but like, um, I believe that should be over there. The screw is over here, but he would not listen. He was like, I'm the doctor you don't have any right to question me. You're just a nurse, like had this huge God complex that basically he was perfect and he could never do any wrong, would not listen to them at all. Um, right. I mean, that. I, yeah, I feel like that is a pretty big no, no. 
to question the doctor during his procedure. Yeah. He'd have to really be messing up for someone to speak up like that. Mm-hmm. And Kyle also says that during the procedure, he was confusing Floella Brown and Mary Eford during the surgery and that he was demanding a craniology for Floella while working on Mary. Um, but the hospital could not do it. They didn't have privileges for craniologies. They didn't do them at that hospital. But he continued craniotomy. to fight. What? A craniotomy. Oh, what did I say? Craniology? Craniology. <laughs> oh, that'd be the study of one. <laughs> yeah, as if, it's a, as if it's a profession. <laughs> oh. I was like, wait, a what? Okay, craniotomy. Yes. I know what I'm Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, um... So yeah, the hospital could not do that kind of procedure, but he was fighting the nurses like during surgery, he's screaming at the nurses that we are going to do this. They're trying to say, we don't even have the tools to do that here. We cannot do it. And so he wouldn't listen to the nurses. So Kyle went to go get another doctor to be like, I know this is super abnormal, but he will not calm down. I need you to go into the operating room and tell him we can't do this. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about this procedure for someone he's not even currently operating on. He's talking about someone else. It's like, this is just no, no all around. A disaster. And so that doctor had to go into the operating room and start yelling at him. Like we cannot do. What is it called? <laughs> A craniotomy. That. Um, because it just doesn't happen here. And she doesn't even need one. It's just ridiculous. Um, So it just turned into this huge scene during the surgery. So it's another reason why she probably, I mean, she was, I feel she was always going to end up like that because he wanted her to, but you know, not a good thing at all. I don't imagine if you were being operated on and then you later find out that your doctor was literally yelling in an argument with another doctor not even about you right during your surgery exactly all of your attention should be on your patient mm-hmm. there should not be any outside conversation there should not be anything else besides I, I would want my surgeon to focus on me 100 mm-hmm. percent. so even with all this information texas medical board decided it was more of an issue that Dunch's circulating nurse was non-compliant with him and that the x-ray tech was being mouthy and that the other doctor interrupted the surgery. So they were like, well, you have X, Y, and Z, why he messed up because they, the nurse was non-compliant, the x-ray tech, blah, blah, blah. Everyone else was wrong. That's what Texas Medical Board said about it. Wonderful. Blaming everyone else. Right. Um, so the Texas Medical Board decided to take away his privileges, um, to request special surgeries, but they did not suspend his license because they did not want to have a lawsuit. Basically, a hospital will do anything to not get a lawsuit to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because I guess when you take a doctor's privileges away, the doctor can still sue the hospital and be like, this is the amount of money I should be getting from having my privileges. So you have to pay me that amount, even though I'm not working. So, and the hospital doesn't want to do that. Um, I cannot believe that. 
So yeah, they once this again is disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. Uh, they once again allow him to resign instead of being fired. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time he messes up badly with a patient, he gets transferred, but there are no reports made and no repercussions to, um, so that the hospital and the reputation is protected. Uh, which is very yep. dangerous. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so in December of 2012, he starts working at Legacy Medical Center because Legacy Medical Center doesn't know anything happened because no reports were made. They just know he left the hospital. Um, and he works on a woman named Jacqueline Troy. Um, and Dr. Kirby actually goes to visit her to see what happened after her surgery. She came in for cervical surgery to remove a disc and she went home from the surgery fine, but then she couldn't swallow and she got a really bad fever. She called Dr. Dunch and be like, is this normal? Like what's happening to me? And he told her that the fever was just the common flu and that she was fine. Uh, But it was actually an infection that was moving towards her heart. So it was really bad. And she was hooked up to have antibiotics pumping into her superior vena cava. I don't know. Okay. Um, this is this is where I, your experience comes so good. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, uh, which, which is, do you know what that is? Because I don't. That's one of that's one of your main. Um, it's a vein. Yeah, one of your main veins leading to your heart. Okay. I should probably know that, but yeah. And it's <laughs> um, going like into from above into there. Okay. Uh she also had to have a straw attached to her nose to drain stomach acid because Dunch cut a hole in her esophagus. Uh he did not remove the disc from her spine and left the part he was supposed to attach scattered in pieces in her back. And he also sliced through a nerve to her vocal cord so she could not speak. (gasps) So just to clarify, she went in for a disc removal. He did not leave or he left that disc in and instead cut into her vocal cord and her esophagus. Nowhere near the back. What? Yeah. That it's, it's a completely different surgery. It's, and not even a surgery because he didn't do anything but damage her. He didn't fix anything. Um, and oh I don't understand gosh. how can you defend the fact that, that. Right. The fact that like, like, okay, accidents happen. He could have sliced something because sometimes they do go in from the front and like move all that stuff off to the side and go in like through there. Okay. Um, if I don't know, I don't really understand all of it either. So I can't, sometimes they can go in through the front, but the thing is the fact that he didn't even remove it in the first place. It's like, you didn't, you didn't do do your job. Like, what Mm -hmm. do you, the fact that it's still in there just shows all we need to know. Yeah. Like, what were you doing? Why would you do that? This poor woman. Um, It's so messed up. And the fact that he just like cut into her esophagus. And like that's just in her vocal cord is so sad and 
Yeah. And then, and then he tells her, oh, it's just the flu. Any doctor after surgery, if a patient is getting a fever, they freak out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's a huge deal. If a patient recently had a surgery and now they're having a fever. Yeah. It's bad. Uh, but unfortunately, neither place he worked at filed any complaints for any of these incidents. Um, and Baylor, even even though they had him resign, they even sent a letter of recommendation saying he was a fit doctor. He had no restrictions and no suspensions, allowing him to be hired at a lot of other places. Um, Dr. Henderson and Dr. Kirby visit Baylor and ask why they did not stop him from being hired after Kelly Martin died there. Um, And they tell him they suspended him for 21 days at Baylor, but the National Practitioner Data Bank, uh, which is something that warns the public and hospitals about bad doctors, uh, was not told about him. They'd made no reports to them. And because you only need to report doctors who were suspended 30 days or more. So he did not fit into that category. Wow. Right. Right. (laughs) So doctors get a lot of leeway with mistakes, which I mean, I guess those are put in place because mistakes do happen. They shouldn't be arrested Mm -hmm. for every mistake. But Mm -hmm. look what happens when people like him, like Dunch, are in the field. All because you're trying to avoid lawsuits. You're trying to, like, you know, try to be understanding accidents happen. Mm -hmm. But no, this isn't an accident anymore. Right. At all. It's sad. Yep. Um, So, University General Hospital then hires Dunch in 2013. Dallas Medical did not report Dunch to any hospitals. And even though Henderson and Kirby went to University General to like warn them about him, they cannot fire him without incident or they would get a lawsuit. So they were like, we just hired him. Now you're telling me all this stuff happened, but I can't, I can't fire him because nothing has happened. That would, (sighs) yeah. Yeah. So In January of 2013, the Dallas County DA office uh, begins to work with Dr. Henderson and Dr. Kirby to make their case for criminal charges against Dunch. The DA is unsure that criminal charges are necessary, so they have to start an investigation first to even determine if a criminal charge can even be possible. Mm-hmm. And Michelle Shugart takes charge of this investigation. And she, Henderson, and Kirby find out um, Dunch was under the influence around patients often. And he was even sent to an impaired physician's clinic. But he was cleared and allowed to continue. So it, it happened more than once where he was cleared of right. drug charges. Um. I, you know, I'm wondering, like, how, besides the case that Henderson was brought in on or the case that Kirby witnessed, mm-hmm. I wonder how they got all this information prior to it because the fact that this is kind of, this is HIPAA. 
these are HIPAA violations. Honestly, they shouldn't even be allowed to have access to any of this information. So I'm sorry, Kirby and Henderson, but I hope you didn't violate HIPAA in the process of trying to investigate this guy on your own. I think they, they do talk about that in the show, but I don't remember exactly what they said about it, but yeah. Yeah. Because they can't, they honestly can't get any information because you're not allowed in those charts. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't, like, you can look up someone, but you can also get in a lot of trouble. Right. So if they they brought it to the medical board and they're like, hey, he did X, Y, Z, they'd be like, why do you know about that? Right. (laughs) You should know anything about that. That's a HIPAA violation. That's another layer of making it difficult about this. Right. That's true. Finding things out. Yeah. Um. So Dunch operates on Jeff Guildwell and Dr. Kirby follows up to on Jeff Guildwell to like treat him um, and finds a sponge left in his back that was causing an infection. And Dunch claimed that he had found a tumor in Jeff, but really it was his esophagus. It was a part of his esophagus. And he was like, this is a tumor, so I have to stop this procedure. And just left the sponge in and everything. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, you know, you literally, in surgery, nurses have to do sponge counts. Um, make sure that every, before you close the patient, make sure every sponge is accounted for. I mean, probably, I guess it must be after situations like this, or there was a miscount, but... Mm-hmm. Any sponge you use, you need to know the number and then you have to count beforehand because that happens way too often where sponges get left in patients. Oh, God. That's so bad. So before closing, you always have to do a sponge count. Wow. Clearly, they didn't. Yeah. Um, or something went down. Or ignored it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in January 2012, Dr. Kirby worked with Dunch to operate on Barry Morgulov. And Kirby protested the tools that Dunch used and tried to tell him he was off midline, but Dunch was ignoring him. And then Dr. Kirby was called away during the operation. So Dunch was left to do whatever he wanted with, for the rest of it. And what happened was Dunch ended up leaving bone fragments in his spinal canal after Dunch tried to pull out a damaged disc with a grabbing tool, um, and Dunch initially refused to give Morgulov any pain medicine, claiming Morgulov was a drug seeker. Like, he just wanted to have drugs. So I'm not going to give you any pain medication. Um, which it doesn't I matter. can't imagine. It doesn't matter if you're a drug seeker. Pain is subjective. That's not... Yeah. Doctors still have, that's the unfortunate thing too, is when we do have patients that we know are just paid, like drug seekers, mm-hmm. pain is subjective. So you have to, you have to believe them. If they're telling you they're in pain, then they're in pain. There's right. no question. It's subjective. Yep. Um, he ended up losing most of the function on his left side and required a wheelchair. Um. He later recalled that on a follow-up visit with Dunch, Dunch displayed clear signs of being, like, drunk 
that he during this follow-up he was really drunk um so dr henderson and dr kirby continued to like push and push sending letters jeff gildwell's wife sent letters to officials that she wanted justice for her husband henderson assists assists michelle shugart and finally after all this pushback um Dunch's license is suspended and he is ordered to stop operating. So, but Henderson and Kirby are not happy because a suspension means he could be reinstated at any time. Right. Uh, So they tell Michelle, like, we really need to, like, get going on these criminal charges. So during this time of his suspension, he starts going in this, like, downward, downward spiral um, and this is when he starts gaining all this weight and Wendy has left him at this point and he's only allowed to see his sons like for like brief periods of time, like visitation days, stuff like that. Um, he gets a DUI and a shoplifting charge during this time as well. Um, so it's really looking great for him. And, but all the while he keeps insisting, I am an a I am a genius. I'm a brilliant doctor. I'm going to get all of my license back. I'm going to be practicing within a year or something like that. So the more you need to say that you're a genius, the less of a genius you are. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Um, on December 6, 2013, the medical board permanently revoked Dunch's license. So all his hopes are shot to hell. He cannot continue to operate which is a relief for everyone working against him but they still want more you know like criminal charges justice for what he's done to Mm -hmm. basically murdering and mutilating his patients um so michelle starts investigating with former patients one man said he felt like he had an ice pick in his back at all times. Like he felt like that 24 seven. Um, and every, everyone she talked to uh, just had horrible stories. And in total, he operated on 33 people, none of which were successful surgeries. Are you kidding me? Every one of those 33 patients had either died or had serious um, injuries, like life-changing injuries, paralysis, wheelchair, immobile because of how much pain they were in. It was, it's bad. Like, the thing is, I mean, you're looking at all these people. How can you, if it's, it's intentional because anybody in their right mind, if they're continuously doing this and hurting these people, would stop Mm -hmm. they wouldn't continue in 2015 july 2015 in dallas michelle sugar finally got her indictment which means he was going to go to trial so um he is arrested for five counts of aggravated assault and one count of harm to an elderly person which was mary efrid his first surgery at um, Dallas Medical. Um, Another woman who agreed to testify, uh, she told Michelle that, so during her surgery, 
it was for back pain again. Um, he ended up off midline and she also had excessive bleeding and she was a bigger woman and Dunch was furious and she was like, well, she's fat. So that's why she bled so much. Like basically blamed her like bigger size on I, well, I needed to make a bigger hole in her back and that's why she bled so much, which is absolutely ridiculous. No, no. Um, so there were a lot of people, um, who were willing to testify and lots and lots and lots of patients agreed to come and tell their stories, uh, for the court. Um, so on July, 2015 at the Frank Crowley courthouse, um, they begin his trial. Christopher was attempting to get his medical license in Colorado at the time. So she wanted, Michelle wanted to shut that down. She said, no, you cannot get any more medical license. It was revoked from Texas. It's revoked everywhere. Good. Like what the heck? Yeah. I'm just going to go to a different state. Yeah. Like that'll fix all my problems. Um, She asks for his training records from his school He had 683 cases while in training, but only 230 of them were spinal cases. And it should have been double that for training. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's not a great sign either. Henderson and Kirby also reach out to the Discgenics investors and they tell them uh, that Dunch was asked to leave because of his drug issue. And Michelle convinces them to testify as well so dunch sits in prison for 18 months before his trial even begins because wow they're putting a long line of patients on the stand so they have to get all these stories together first find all of the victims um Mm -hmm. and the lead defense attorney her name was robbie mcclung uh said of the trial. You had a lot of people in walkers. You had people on crutches. You had people that could barely move. People who had lost loved ones. You had all sorts of things that had gone wrong. Before we even get to Mary Efred, you can see that it's just, it's going downhill. It's going downhill fast. So, I mean, when a jury sees all of these people, there's no way you cannot be sympathetic, you know? Yeah. Um, Lee Passmore, was, who was another victim, testified uh he had experienced chronic pain and limited mobility after dunch cut a ligament which was not normally touched during the procedure uh he had misplaced hardware in his spine a place to screw which kept the hardware in place in the incorrect location on his spine and had stripped the threads so that it could not be removed um it, it would cause him to bleed out if it was removed. So, like, it had to stay there, causing him pain. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Jeff Guildwell testified about the tumor that was actually a piece of his neck muscle um, that was removed. And Kenneth Fennell, who was the very first patient Dunch operated on at Baylor Plano, was left with chronic pain for the rest of his life um, after Dunch operated on the wrong part of his back. And 
Fennel later had a second operation, but was left significantly paralyzed in his legs. Um, and he was unable to walk more than 30 feet or stand for a few minutes, even after a lot of rehabilitation on his legs for like the rest of his life. Um, These poor people. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's so sad. Uh, another patient, Jeff Cheney, had a damaged spinal cord, leaving him without feeling on the right side of his body. Um, another patient, Philip Mayfield, also had a damaged spinal cord because he had drilled right into it and left him partially paralyzed from the neck down. Um, and he, even after rehabilitation, only, excuse me, he continues to experience paralysis on the right side of his body and in his left arm. Um, and he ended up dying February, 2021 of COVID. Um, and his wife claims he was vulnerable to the virus because of complications from Dunch's surgery. Understandable. So that is a recent update. Wow. That is so a consequence recent. from his surgery. <gasps> Oh my God. Yep. So that... people are still dying because of this dude. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another um, man named Marshall Muse. Uh, Dunch had left surgical hardware floating in his between his spine and muscle tissue. Uh, and he woke up in so much pain, but Dunch was like, it's normal. It's normal. The pain will pass. You're fine. I don't need to do anything else. And then he prescribed Muse so much Paraset, per, Percocet? Percocet. Percocet, okay. Uh, that the pharmacist refused to fill the prescription. The pharmacist was like, this is dangerous and outlandish. Like, there's no way. Um, wow. But Muse also, he unfortunately went into an opioid addiction from... Mm -hmm the medication and it cost him his job and his wife left him. Uh, and you know, all these things spiraling about his life because of this surgery. Uh, because, because it was just floating in his muscle. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. The fact that you just put like, it's not even on anything. Mm -hmm. Ugh. So Jerry also testifies and Dr. Kim also testifies against him. The defense really shifts the blame to his training because there's not much else they can do. They claim mm -hmm. that he had the worst training ever and we have to blame the medical board for not recognizing that he's not prepared or ready to become a surgeon. So basically, you know, like it was just that he didn't know better. He didn't have the training and it's on all his teachers for not recognizing that. That's really what the defense was going for. But you know, it, that's like the most ridiculous thing because you you look at, okay, yeah, his training might have sucked. That is something else that we need to address. Right. But he continued to do it. Mm -hmm. He is harming people and he's continuing to harm people. And he's able to communicate exactly what he should be doing and doing it completely wrong, opposite, whatever. Yeah. I understand if you, you go and you look at it and you know the words, but you don't know what something looks like. I understand that. But then don't continue. Right. Like, oh my God. Exactly. Uh, but Dunch 
hates this defense because it makes him look like he's not smart and he wants everyone to know how much of a genius he is. So he doesn't even agree with his lawyer. He's like, absolutely not. I did nothing wrong. And he doesn't, they do go ahead with that defense anyway, but he really hated it because he wants everyone to think he's amazing and an incredible doctor. Um, I feel like this, this guy is messed up. He's overconfident. Yeah, exactly. Overconfidence is a big thing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Kim's testimony, uh, she presents an email titled Occam's Razor. And it's really damning. So I'm going to read the email. It's kind of long, but I'll try to make it fast. So it says, Kim, unfortunately, you cannot understand that I am building an empire and I am so far outside the box that the earth is small and the sun is bright. Anyone close to me thinks that I'm likely that I'm likely something between God, Einstein and the Antichrist, because how can I do anything that I want across any disciplinary boundary like it's a playground and never lose so that's him admitting he knows he's crossing these lines and is going to get away with it you know yeah uh unfortunately despite the fact that i am winning it is not happening fast enough you my child are the only one standing between me and the other side but that's really weird why is he referring to his lover as my child but okay (laughs) um that's really creepy Uh, He says, I am ready to leave the love and kindness and goodness and patience that I am mixed with everything else that I am and become a cold-blooded killer. The sad fact is I could go faster, do better, catch more honor and respect by fucking everybody in the brain emotionally and mentally controlling them in a manner that borders on abuse, taking no prisoners, sending everyone in my way, especially that fucks with me to hell for the simple fact that I thought they could. What I am being as what I am, one of a kind, a motherfucker stone cold killer. (gasps) End of letter. He calls himself a killer twice. He's admitting everything in this email. Okay. I have so many thoughts. Um, So I'll start with number one. He calls his lover my child. Yeah, disgusting. Have Have you heard of that like new trend where like they say the ick yes like where so now all the uh gen zers are saying i don't even know if i'm gonna use it right but like when you get the ick from someone it's like basically <laughs> your biggest turn off like nope i'm over you ick. yeah i i that probably gave her the ick yeah honestly. probably <laughs> okay ick. so that's number one number two he must have been high oh yeah kite i mean come on like everything he's saying like he must have been like on lsd cocaine absolutely because that is that is psychotic he basically he calls himself god einstein and the antichrist like hello yeah wait what how does that even make sense how can be god and the antichrist whatever (laughs) i mean that's completely different right and that's so grandiose thinking that's a mental illness in itself it's just oh oh my god this guy is so so messed up and then he's expected to operate on people i just i 
yeah she must have been so disturbed by getting that email i would be i don't even know that's that's scary scary. yeah yeah maybe that's why she initially got the um restraining order in the first place yeah totally scared i would not want to do with anyone who said anything like that to me because that is truly bizarre behavior scary yeah um so dr henderson then testifies and explains to the jury what went wrong because you know a jury they don't know all these medical terms and things so he gets up there to explain what should have been done and breaks down um each of these cases of what should have happened um in kelly martin's case a vascular surgeon should have been called to help fix the bleeding but he didn't bother to do that um jerry lost so much blood um and he did remove the disc like he was supposed to with jerry but then removed a ton of bone on the left side that he should not have removed and over a third of the vertebral body uh was lacerated and in his second in jerry's second surgery there was supposed to be a relief of pressure but ended up with his head barely attached to his spine oh my god that's practically decapitated from the inside that's his friend right that was his best friend that's his best friend that he did oh so did he so he ended up doing the revision after all he ended up doing one yes but he made it even worse like practically killed him once again can you imagine that's so scary um After Floella Brown's surgery, she could not even open her eyes. Her heart rate was accelerated. Dunch did not call any doctors to exist or to assist. And he did not examine her afterwards, even though this was very like something was clearly still wrong. And it was the ICU doctors who realized that she was brain dead. Um, And her family ended up taking her off of life support a few days later. So that's another murder. Yeah. Right. And the neurosurgeon should be the one that's saying that someone's brain dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, Henderson also tells the jury that after attempting to fix Mary Efred, he finds that Dunch did not even touch the disc he was supposed to remove from her, but removed a large piece of the psoas muscle and then stuffed in an implant for no reason. What the heck? Yeah. So like completely unrelated things. Why are you removing muscle? Yeah. How is how is a disc? How are you mistaking a disc for muscle? Any I could do that surgery better than him. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's it's the thing. Truly terrible. Uh so on February 20th of 2017, he is found guilty to injury of an elderly person who is Mary Efred and was sentenced to life in prison. He will be eligible for parole July 20th, 2045, when he is 74 years old. Good. Um, So Michelle Shugart is a trial chief for Dallas County DA now, and she advises, she was the prosecutor, which, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, She advises medical professionals on improving safeguards to prevent patient harms. Uh, so that really 
that was a defining moment in her career, right? Because she had not dealt with anything medical before, right? No, no. And she had to have extensive, like, I would almost call it training with Henderson and Kirby. Mm -hmm. And they were teaching her how to speak on the stand, like how to talk to a jury about it because she had no idea. So, right. It really helped. She was a pretty, she was a pretty young woman. Yeah. Um, and this is a massive case. This is this is historical because doctors mm-hmm. do not get criminal charges, right? Very it often, if ever. Really, is this the first? Um, I don't know if it was the first, but it was definitely like a landmark trial for yeah. medical cases, for sure. Yeah. Um, Dr. Kirby is still performing surgeries, and he is a strong advocate for patient care. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Henderson also still practices, and he is a member of the Patient Safety Advisory Group, which is made up of physicians and attorneys that make patients, are making patient safety in hospitals. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure dealing with this, and you just have so much, like, this creates so much more passion like yes okay you care for your patients but like when you see that kind of evil and you have to advocate that much that just mm-hmm. solidifies it you're just like okay this is my calling this is what I'm doing yeah um but the show also ended with like some staggering statistics which really are not great and I will say um according to public citizen research I just stuttered that whole thing. (laughs) According to public citizen research, um, at the end of 2019, 8,600 doctors had five or more malpractice payouts, and three quarters of them were never punished in any way. Uh, After cancer and heart disease, medical errors are a leading cause of death in the U.S. In 2014, Texas Department of Health Services tried to fine Baylor Medical $100,000 for this case for failing to report Dunch to the medical board. But one year later, the department rescinded the fine and claimed it was a confidentiality issue. So they dropped it. Um, And Jerry died in 2021, last year, of an infection due to his surgery. So that is another death years later because of Dunch, um which is really oh my sad gosh. he was he's young that's so sad I didn't realize that yeah I didn't know that either until I like did the follow-up like research on it and saw that oh. so people yeah people are still dying from his and who knows like down the road more people could die like prematurely because they can't live with that kind of injuries for so long, you know? Yeah. Um, I cannot believe that. That's so sad. Yeah. He's evil. Truly. And it's so, what's the most scary about him, in my opinion, is he just knew exactly what to do and just didn't do it. And there's a real back and forth of if he intentionally did it or if he was just really, really arrogant. Like, it's not really 100% sure which way it is if he just thought he was super good and wasn't or if it was intentional. 
but, but even even still i don't even feel like that matters because yeah. he continued to do it anyway correct yeah. i don't i don't even think that i don't uh, i don't think that that changes anything in my mind of whether or not he deserves what he got thinking about all of that i mean something needs to change with our medical system because that's horrible but i don't know what because yes accidents happen i guess just and i mean i don't know it's so hard to say what what the best thing to do is yeah i don't know like i'm not in charge of it and i'm glad i'm not but right definitely crazy the things people can get away with yeah doctors especially i mean and it's it's sad because it's all to avoid a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Like, lawsuits are in place to keep people, to keep people honest and to keep people. This just we're just gonna have to ignore Julie. <laughs> um, <laughs> to keep people from oh. continuing to, you know, do wrong and and screw o- others over. Yeah. I understand that, or like, um, if they're entitled to something, yeah, lawsuits exist. But the fact that hospitals are influenced by it so much, yeah, and that it's it compromises people being able to like it literally compromises patient safety in the end. Mm-hmm. It's so messed up. <laughs> it's so scary because people, you know, you go to a doctor to feel better, and you have you have no other choice but to put your trust into them because what who else are you going to go to for help so right yeah right i agree but that is dr dunch uh the wondry podcast has a lot of interviews with the victims so if you're interested in hearing those i would check them out as well yeah obviously we could not cover nearly as much as they do in the documentary and in that podcast yeah but definitely hear it out because the way they tell it is like a, a story you can imagine you can picture everything happening um you can feel what they were feeling at the time yeah it's really they it's do really, a really amazing job with it yeah it's and it's and it's really emotional hearing it from the victims so yeah, yeah. it is i know i um we hear a little bit more about like jerry's story and a little bit more about his about dunch's background and his personal life yeah um it's just it's all so messed up this guy is such a monster uh, mon- yeah monster honestly mm-hmm. and really evil yeah and his poor family that had to go through this and the fact that he has kids now and yeah it's it's all really sad yeah. um but yeah so thank you for looking all that up emily yeah yeah um (laughs) so anyway next week i'm gonna be doing it (laughs) but i'm doing it and so i am going to be doing a i think um a munchausen's case so it's gonna be very interesting i'm really looking forward to doing the research because research because literally all i saw about it was this tiktok that lasted <laughs> a minute and a half and they'd even scratch the surface so yeah. and it, it was messed up so i'm really looking forward such a bad 
fascinating and like weird disorder. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. It's like attention seeking. I don't know. It's, it's, it really is interesting. Um, so I'm, ex- I'm excited to do the research on it and kind of, cause, cause the thing is, I, I know of people and a, a person in my, my, my real life, my personal life, mm-hmm. um, that like displays symptoms similar to Munchausen's, you know? So it's like, oh, wow. It's just, it, I feel like it's more common than we realize. Mm-hmm. Is that so? <laughs> I think Jilly wants to do the podcast next. She does. Jilly, will you do the next week? Oh, now you're shy. She has nothing to say now. <laughs> well, let's see. Jilly, will you say mama? Mama. <laughs> That's what she said. Mama. Never mind. I guess. No. I guess not. She's not going to talk. <laughs> but anyway. So, on that note, I'm Casey. I'm Emily. And this is Jilly. <laughs> and you just heard A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder. Ish.